Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of What's the Appeal? This is the podcast where we talk about different products. Uh, no, they can be hardware, they can be software, it doesn't really matter. But we talk about products that had a following, had a lot of people that really enjoyed them. But we're gonna try to see why. Why were these products so popular? Or can they be popular in the future? Now, in this podcast we talk about everything from hardware to software. We talked about TikTok, but then we also talk about PlayStation Portables. So today we're going to tackle an, a topic that it's kind of trending right now because of some things that have happened in the last few months. I'm talking about Huawei, and uh, to be more specific, I'm talking about Huawei phones. Now, if you don't know, if you're living under a rock, or you, you, maybe you're just not tech savvy, but Huawei and the, the US government sort of had a bit of a beef. And what came out of this beef was that well, basically, Huawei is not allowed to use the Google Play services any longer. What does that mean for the average consumer? We're going to find out in this episode. And also in this episode, we're going to talk about the future of Huawei. And it's a future without Google. This is going to be interesting. Now, first of all, let's take it from the beginning and see where this whole thing originated. Where did it start? Well, basically... Huawei have been thought of putting some spyware on their phones, especially the ones they were selling in the US. And the US didn't really like it, so they basically they, they imposed a ban on Huawei phones. And so what they said was, okay, you can, you, you can still sell your phones here, but you cannot use um, US intellectual property. And with US intellectual property, they basically meant you cannot use Google Play services. Now, I'm pretty sure what the US initially wanted was to sort of ban Android from Huawei. But unfortunately, or fortunately, Android is open source. The operating system itself is completely open source. So they couldn't really ban that. But basically, this entire scandal between nations, between China and the US, sort of brought us to this point where... Huawei really needs to do something, and needed to do something, because they cannot use the Google Play services. Now, other than the political scandal, I kept mentioning these Google Play services, but what are they exactly? What are these Google Play services? Well, to put it short, you have multiple parts of an Android device. You have the operating system itself, which is open source and basically anyone can use. But then you also have another part. The second part, which is the Google services. What these allow you is they allow your phone to communicate with the Google network. Now, when I say the Google network, I don't just mean Google search. I mean every product offered by Google. That can be email, that can be Google Maps, anything that is owned by Google. So Gmail, Google Maps... Google Drive, Google Duo, Allo, Hangouts, any product made by Google needs to connect to Google services. And if you can't connect to Google services, well, you can't use it. And so what basically Google had to do was impose this condition in their Google Play services. So if you're running on Huawei, then uh, no, no, don't. Then just don't. Exit. (laughs) And so... It is a bit unfortunate that from sort of this political beef, at the end of the day, the consumer has the most to suffer because they are the ones that are, are missing out on some phones. But let's see exactly what can't you do. So, okay, assuming you, 
you still want a Huawei phone. And you're like, okay, you know what? I, I might be able to live without these Google services. But what exactly can't I do now? Now that I don't have these. Well, first of all, one of the most important things you do not have is the Google Play Store. Now, yes, you can get around that. There are other applications that are sort of meant as a replacement for the Google Play Store. But that being said, you do not get the official place where all the newest apps are launched. You might be able to substitute it with other things, but you're not, you don't get the official store from Google, of course. Alongside with that, there are a lot of applications that you use on a daily basis that you might not think about that do use Google. So how many times per day do you use um, Google Maps? I reckon quite a lot, or at least once per week or something. Of course, things like you have alternatives to Google Maps. But at the end of the day, most people are used to Google Maps and they're used to that interface, they're used to using it. And so that application for navigation will not be available to you any longer. You, are, you still are able to use something like Waze, for example, but no Google Maps. Another thing that's not inherently apparent is YouTube. YouTube is a product owned by, well, you guessed it, owned by Google. And so you do not have access to YouTube either because, again, YouTube needs to connect to these Google Play services in order for it to function. As I said before, Google Drive, forget about it. Google Hangouts, forget about it. Anything that would have needed Google, you can't do any longer. Now, that being said, Okay, so now Huawei phones don't have these features any longer. But what do they offer? Because they do have also budget offerings, but also higher-end offerings. So what are the advantages of buying Huawei phone now? Also, just to clarify, not all Huawei devices in existence are, have suddenly stopped receiving like Google Play um, access. Only devices sold or manufactured after a specific date or after a specific model, I think. So if you have a really old Huawei phone, you are still good. You're most likely still good. Now, that being said, what do these phones offer, though? And there are quite a few things. There are quite a few things that a Huawei phone will offer you and that you might, it might be harder to get from other companies. So first thing are specs. You do get some pretty great specs, top of the knot, top of the end. Now, if you're looking at a highest end, you get top-of-the-line specs. If you're looking at the lower end, you get really good specs for the price. Um, they have always put in a lot of memory, like RAM memory in their devices, even a lot of storage in their devices. Their CPUs was, were usually pretty good, um, so definitely on top. Maybe not quite the same as, like, let's say, Apple's iPhone, uh, iPhone CPUs, but to be honest, nothing really came close to the Apple CPUs. And I'm not speaking as a fanboy, I'm speaking of actual numbers. But yeah, like strictly spec-wise, you get some pretty great hardware. And you also get some really good cameras. Again, in the camera department, for low-end phones, you get a wide array of cameras and lenses. While other phones might only offer one camera, for example, or two cameras, it's not unseen to spot a Huawei phone, a budget Huawei phone with like three cameras, with an ultra-wide, a telephoto, and a regular one. Now, just to be clear, these 
sort of lenses on phones. They're basically both cameras and lenses. Um, just because you have multiple of them doesn't mean they're good or they're all good quality. But, now that being said, it does give you a sort of perspective variety. Which I think is, it's, it's great. It's great that you can get that at multiple price points. Another thing you get to follow your phones is design. They have not been slow to adapt things like edge-to-edge displays, really slim phones to innovate or to bring out really weird and maybe quirky features. Even their budget phones look really good. They use premium materials. Um, some of them, I think, use glass. Um, they are, visually speaking, like from the outside, they are not ugly phones at all. And especially when you consider their price. I mean, of course, if you look at their top tier, like top of the line top tier device they're made 20 pro or 30 pro or something like that i'm not sure which of them it is now but if you look at even their like budget or mid-range devices you will notice that their their design is still really good and the materials used in the design are, are pretty good especially for the money uh, you don't really see a lot of like iphone 5c plastic fantastic devices from huawei so at least from a design standpoint they're 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 pretty nice they also got things like um, tall screens and really high quality or high resolution screens. Another thing you get is features. A lot of features. They sort of went the, the route that Samsung took. Well, so you, you, in the Android world, you sort of have two extremes. You have the, the parts that take the operating system and leave it as stock as possible. Like that's what Nokia does or Motorola does. And then you have the opposite, which is Samsung which they basically take the stock operating system and then they just murder it. <laughs> now, by doing that, they do add a lot of features and um, things that you might never use, but they are there. And Huawei sort of took this second route with their, I think it's called MIUI. Yeah. Now, me personally, I'm not a fan of their interface. I think it's pretty ugly and cartoonish. But that being said, I think there's definitely something to say about the number of features and uh, the variety of features that they offer. Because there are many, and uh, software or hardware features, um, they, were, they definitely had some cool cameras. Uh, as I, I keep going back to cameras, man, but when they launched it, they launched, I think it was the Mate 30 Pro, um, which offered zoom lines. Now, other phones offer telephoto lenses as well. So other phones had things like two-time zoom or three-time zoom. But Huawei had five-time zoom, like native zoom, without cropping in, which is already really good for a smartphone. But they, what they also offered was a 50 times option. You could zoom in 50 times. That's, that's outrageous. They had some special processing behind it and stuff like that in order to make that work. But 50 times zoom was absolutely amazing, and it was definitely unheard of. And still up to this day, nobody, uh, from what I know, nobody has, has done something like that. Now, of course, the 50 times one wasn't, uh, wasn't the most usable of pictures, or definitely not great looking. But what that meant was that, like the 20 times to 30 times zoom pictures looked really good. Really good. Another thing, uh, Huawei sort of borrowed from Samsung on this one. But there's a variety of phones. There are a lot of Huawei models out there. And, okay, that can be bad and good at the same time. So if you compare it to Apple's offerings, where they keep their product line really streamlined, 
you could say it's bad. But Huawei has taken a completely different approach here, and they sort of took the Samsung approach. And what I mean with that is that they, they basically try to have a device for everyone. And they, or even more, they try to have multiple devices for everyone. So no matter what features, what price point you might be at, Huawei probably has a phone for you, most likely has a phone for you. And the, by doing this, they basically reached a ton of markets. And even inside one specific market, they reached a ton of different customers. That already is, is pretty cool. And they managed, they managed quite a lot just by doing that. And another thing Huawei did well was, and, and still is, maybe, I'm talking about budget phones. Now, in the higher end, yes, the battle is ferocious, but at the end of the day, what, like, statistically speaking, what most consumers will buy is the budget phones. Because, realistically speaking, not everyone has or wants to spend, like, six, seven, one thousand dollars or maybe even more on a phone. That's perfectly understandable. And I look at my mom, for example, or my parents. They don't need high-end devices. They don't need the latest and greatest technology. And so, uh, 100 to 200 buck phone if it works good enough, and then it's probably going to be good enough for them. And Huawei, really, they managed to have phones there, and, and they had phones that were actually pretty decent. I mean, uh, of course, they weren't like the fastest things out there, weren't the most fluid things out there, but they worked, and they were, there were many. You could get them easily with like small contracts and different cell phone providers, so from that point of view, Huawei had a lot of things to offer, and they still have. Like most of what I just said here, it, it's still it's still valid. The specs are still valid, cameras are still valid, the design is valid, the features they include in the operating system are valid, and the variety and um, the sort of price range they focus on is these are all still valid points. So definitely good on Huawei for all of these. But now we get to a, a bit of the uglier side. So. The problem is that most of these features are hardware or their own software. But we can't not talk about the elephant in the room. And actually, Huawei did this in their, their keynote. When, when releasing their latest flagship, they talked a lot about like, what it can do and hardware and the design and the cameras and stuff like that. But they never mentioned the fact they don't have Google services. And I think that's really important for, to mention for most customers. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean that you can't use a phone from Huawei these days. What it does mean is that you're going to have to maybe adapt or to think a bit differently on how you use your phone. So first of all, let's talk about alternatives. So I told you about all these apps that you don't have any longer if you had a Huawei device post the Google era. And so the thing is... Huawei does have their own marketplace that comes right onto the device, and you can find a lot of apps there. So, for example, I'm looking at banking apps in my country, and most of these apps have already posted them over there. Now, there are also a lot of other popular apps that you can find there, like probably Facebook and things like that. And even if you you don't have that, there are other sort of third-party app stores, like I think it's one called Aptoid, and 
others like that. So you can basically install these apps um, in, by using a developer option. But you can install these apps and have a, an alternative to the Google Play Store. Now, that being said, just because you install Google Maps onto a Huawei device doesn't mean it's going to work. The problem is not getting Google Maps installed on the phone. The problem is getting Google Play services working on these Huawei phones. And so what I'm trying to say here is that there are a lot of alternatives to Google Play Store, Aptoid and also their App Gallery. Um, are they as good as the Play Store? No, no, they're not. But they are alternatives. And for some people, they might be workable, kind of. Maybe for a bit more sort of tax heavy and have more time on your hands. One thing that is worth mentioning, though, is security. Now, I'm not even going to bother comparing these sort of marketplaces to Apple's App Store. It's clear that there's no comparison here. The App Store is much, much, much more secure on an order of magnitude. But I will compare it to the Android Google Play Store. The thing is, the Google Play Store already has a lot of issues with malware and with bad apps. So the thing is, look, I, I, I do develop apps for phones, both for Android and iOS. And I know how the submission process for these stores work. And just to give you a short overview, Apple manually goes through every single app. They have a really strict and rigorous review process. That makes it a pain in the ass for me, the developer. But it kind of guarantees a level of quality and most importantly, a level of security. This is something that the Google Play Store doesn't really do. They have some automated tests, but that's about it. It's really easy to get your app on the Google Play Store. And you can see that because there have been a lot of scandals with apps that were malicious. They were maybe collecting your data or sending location data and uh, corrupted apps. Apps that, for example, like small little games that uh, in the background did, let's say, Bitcoin mining, whatever. The point is the Google Play Store had a lot of these issues and I do not see Huawei's app gallery being a better solution, security-wise. Here's the thing, would you really trust to put your card information on an app from a third-party store? Me personally, I, I wouldn't, man. It's, it's so easy to get an app, fake it and maybe put it on, in the app gallery that or an Aptoid, or, or another like, third-party sources, that uh, the security is it's really weak at that point. And for regular users, and you, you might say that, oh, no, 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 I've been, ha- I've been tweaking Android phones for a long time, and I know how this works, and I know how to spot a fake. No, you don't. Let me tell you something. You do not know how to spot a fake. You know why? Just me, a developer, I couldn't spot a fake. Because a good fake will never show you that it's a fake. It will do all of the things, all of the data collection, all of the card collections and whatever. It will do them nicely in the background. You don't need to do anything. You won't notice, you won't spot any difference until your credit card gets stolen. What I'm trying to say here is that while you do have alternatives to something like the Play Store with the app gallery, I sort of doubt their security. And I'm not, I'm not even going to political stuff like... Yeah, they're, they're Chinese companies and they're sending data to a Chinese government. I mean, I, I think they're not guilty until proven guilty. 
But what I am saying is that um, the ease of getting sort of botched or hacked applications onto these sort of third-party app stores is it's much easier to put them there than even on Google's Play Store. Okay, what if you're determined to actually have Google Play services and to have Google Maps and things like that? I've seen a few mods in order to get Google, Google Apps. One of them, the, one of the first ones actually was installing a sort of a virtual machine software. Now, that to me, it's like running Linux, but then installing a virtual machine with Windows in order to run Microsoft Office. What I'm trying to say is that it's stupid. And it's, it takes a lot of resources. And yes, the phones are powerful, but come on, you're not spending that much money in order to run a virtual machine on it. That, that's just plain stupid. There was also a, a solution at one point where you could clone an older Huawei device and it would also copy over the Google Play services. From what I know, that solution doesn't work any longer. And I know there is another solution now where you basically sort of hack it into installing uh, Google Play services on it. Look, all at the end of the day, all of these are mods and little hacks. If you have a lot of time on your hands, yes, go ahead, do it. Do you think my mom would do it? Do you think most people would do it? Now, let me tell you the answer is no. Yes, it may only take half an hour. If you know how to do X, Y, and Z, most people don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. Most people just want to go on the App Store, download Google Maps, and navigate to their grandma. So you do have to sort of mod it in different ways in order to get those Google applications. And that sucks. That, in my opinion, does honestly really suck. And this sort of brings us to a discussion that's not only about Huawei, but they are a prime example of this discussion. And these days, is hardware enough? Or to be even more specific, is hardware even that important? I'm, I'm asking this because Huawei is doing a lot of nice stuff in the hardware world. A lot of really high-quality materials, a lot of like cool cameras and things like that. But since this Google scandal the software quality just decreased by a lot because you don't have access to these really popular things. These items, these applications that we use on a day-to-day basis that have become part of our life. Now they're gone. You can't use them any longer. You can't even install Gmail from what I know. Of course, you can install other clients, but most people use Gmail. Most people are used to Gmail. Most people are not willing to hack around their ways with the device. And I'd argue no. And the thing is, I think that these days, hardware matters less and less. It's less of a differentiator than ever. Today, it it is a software race. We don't ask any longer what's cooler, the iPhone or the Samsung from hardest perspective. We ask what's cooler, iOS or Android or One UI or whatever Samsung skin might be called. My point is that hardware is becoming less and less relevant because it becomes so good. Like, we get a lot of small tweaks here and there, but most phones feel pretty premium these days. Most phones are pretty sturdy, pretty reliable from a hardware perspective. 
and there's not much more we can do with them. Now, sure, some people are doing folding phones, and we have a completely different episode on folding phones. It's already published if you want to see it. But that being said, mostly speaking, the race these days isn't on hardware any longer. Because people don't care about hardware any longer. Because our experience, the only part where hardware matters is the cameras and when we hold the device in our hands. But when we actually get to using it, the software takes over. And it's the software experience that needs to be really good. And I'm afraid without Google services, I would say that the software experience is nowhere near as good as on a phone that had them. Sure, we are dependent on this huge company called Google, but do we really want to make our lives that much worse just by not using it? I don't know. Huawei also, like, they knew this was coming for quite a while, and they had a deadline for it, and they have been trying really hard to sort of build their own operating system. From what I heard, it would have still been based on Android, or at least it would have been able to run some Android applications, which would have been a bit of a saving grace for them, because no developer is going to develop for a third platform like Huawei's. Check out the episode on Windows Phone if you want to see the proof of that. Again, the episode on the podcast about Windows Phone as well. But my point is, they did try building their own OS, and I think they're still trying, but building an operating system is not an easy task and it's not something you can do in a year or in six months nowhere near that you need a lot of manpower a lot of research and the quality that is so high these days with ios and android that even the cheapest like most budget android device still has a pretty good experience these days a 100 dollars nokia phone with stock android is still going to run really decently for most people. And it's really hard to battle that. Even Android has gotten so polished these days that can't really blame it for much. And I'm not... I'm more of an iOS fan, and I use an iOS on a day-to-day basis. But even I have to agree that Android has gotten really good. And my point is that building their own operating system would be really hard. And... I think, man, they're going to need to do a hell of a good job in order to somehow succeed with that. The, the truth of the matter is, most people can't live without Google. It, it's, it has become such a big part of our lives, from search to Gmail to YouTube. If you don't have YouTube, tell me one website that rivals YouTube. There isn't one. Vimeo isn't one. Don't even get me started on Vimeo, but it's not even close. There, there isn't. YouTube is a thing of its own. Google Search almost is a thing of its own. Um, Google Maps is a thing of its own. They have no realistic competitors, let's be honest here. And so, most people being so used with these sort of creature comforts from Google, when you give them a phone that doesn't have these, I think that for most people, uh, it wouldn't be worth to adapt to another sort of ecosystem of apps. Apps that aren't Google's or Apple's. You have to keep in mind that a lot of the people talking about this are sort of tech-savvy people. And that's fine, because they know the most about it. But you have to put yourself in the skin of the least tech-savvy people. Because realistically speaking, most people aren't really interested in technology. Phones are just a tool. That's it. They either get the job done or not. If they can't navigate Joe 
to his worksite, didn't do the job, did it? And uh, trust me, a lot of people just don't want to learn this technology. And it's perfectly understandable. They don't want to mess around with their phones. That's why, sort of, for me, iOS is a cool thing. But Huawei was such a big player on the sort of cheaper budget smartphone market that, I mean, a lot of these people that bought sort of the cheaper devices were the least tax heavy people. And man, having a life without Google for these people. I'm going to put it outright, it, it's not going to be easy. I, I definitely think it's not going to be easy. Getting to my second to last point, because I do have, actually have like a, sort of a checklist uh, to keep myself slightly on track. My, my main issue with this is Huawei still produces some really high-end phones. And with high-end, what I mean with some really expensive phones. And when I say expensive, I mean like $1,000 phones. I think their most expensive phone is $999, so basically $1,000. The problem I have is that at that point, you have a lot of competition. You have the iPhone, you have the Galaxy S20 Ultra, or the latest Galaxy, Gal- the latest Note series, the latest OnePlus device, the latest, maybe even Xiaomi, okay, Xiaomi, not really, but what I'm trying to say is that you have a lot of competition at that point. And everything has to be perfect, or as close to perfect. With these high-end devices, we got to really nitpick on stuff. And the thing is, with Huawei now, we're still doing the nitpicking, but a lot of us are just, the tech reviewers are forgetting the important stuff, the Google part. Because if I spend $1,000 on a phone, it's not enough to have a 50 times camera. It's, it's, all of these nice and quirky features are really cool to have, when you have all of the other basics covered. Huawei doesn't currently have them. We, for the Western market, and I mean, anything that's not China, really, like for Europe or um, America, be it Latin America or North America, it doesn't really matter. For all of these places, not having Google is definitely a, um, a bad experience. Let's call it like that. It's at least a bad experience. And not having the possibility to get Google back in your life, it, it's kind of bad. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to reach the end of this episode and still have one more point to talk about, which is not necessarily about the phones themselves, but about this relationship between Huawei and, I guess, the US government. Between China and the USA, but Huawei and the US government here. So the weird thing is that basically Huawei was banned from using U.S. Intellectual, intellectual property, that meaning and um, Google Play services on their phones. Now, my question is, why weren't they banned from using Windows? Huawei does do laptops. They're not as big as a contender there as they are in the smartphone market. But that being said, they still do a lot of laptops. Why are they allowed to use Windows? It's sort of the equivalent, isn't it, of, of Android, but for laptops. And it's owned by Microsoft, which last time I read, it was a pure American company. Why are they still allowed to do that? I, I think it was just, this, entire, this was more of a political show between Huawei, um, between China and the USA, and Huawei was just caught in the middle, and I guess Google was as well. Maybe because China, because Huawei was one of the most important players on the smartphone market, and these days the smartphone market is one of the most important markets out there. Maybe that's why. 
and uh, both of these companies sort of got caught in between. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the consumers definitely, a lot of consumers lost uh, a pretty important brand. And that's Huawei with their phones. What will the future hold? I don't know. And to be honest, I don't think anybody knows. Will this, when will this ban sort of be lifted? Nobody knows. Will this ban ever be lifted? Again, nobody knows. Will the ban continue with products like Windows from Microsoft? Yet again, nobody knows. And I think these political tensions have proven to be a really bad thing for the end consumer at the end of the day. But what can you do? There's, for us consumers, not much really. We have to live with it. And unfortunately for most people, it's going to be future without Huawei. Thanks a lot for listening to the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and you managed to stay through. Um, Huawei phones and... Uh, look, me personally, I've never been the biggest fan of Huawei phones, but I got their appeal for other people and um, yeah, it's it's a topic that sort of I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, even though I don't personally own a Huawei. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this video, or this video, if you enjoyed this podcast, leave it like a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whenever, whenever you might be listening to it. If this is the first time you're discovering this, please subscribe and follow this podcast. I'm trying to do at least one episode per week, but more in the likes of like two episodes per week. We're going to take different products, again, software or hardware, or maybe even other technology-related items. See what the hype was about, see what's their appeal, why do so many people love them, and if something happened, like in the case of Huawei, will people still love them? I hope you enjoyed this little analysis of on different products. If you enjoyed this, also check out my latest episode about PSPs, the PlayStation Portable Console, and also I have a YouTube channel called Start Stop, that's S-T-A-R-T-S-T-U-P. I just did an episode about developer conferences, so if you're interested in that one, or if you're a developer, go check that one as well at youtube.com and search for S-T-A-R-T-U-P. Start stop. Thanks a lot for listening and have a good one. Bye.